Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So, um, I don't know how many of you have uh, had some days in a uh, either Bible college or maybe a Christian college, but um, uh, one of the one of the typical um, freshman requirements. Uh, there's usually some uh, some Bible curriculum, and very often uh, one of the choices that you would be asked to take would be a course called Old Testament Survey. Yeah. All right, and uh, this is just a big overview of the scope of the Old Testament, uh, picking out the big themes, and uh, you spend the whole semester um, going through, you know that. Um, and of course, as you might expect, there's a New Testament survey too. But um, the point is, it's a it's a high level view, uh, and you're looking for big themes, and that's sort of what we're going to be doing in the next week or two. Um, and again, like we've talked before, in some passages are are some passages that you could just spend all class on a couple verses. Uh, sometimes, as we're going to do today, we're going to spend um, time walking through multiple chapters uh, because it is, it's a narrative. It's a description of, of how God is working. And um, depending on how this goes, we might, uh, might let you tell the story. Uh, so uh, those of you that have kind of been reading a little bit, um, these are familiar stories, right? Those of you that were blessed enough to be raised in church uh, uh, have heard these literally for decades. So uh, the idea is big themes. We don't have to sweat the little bitty details. So if you get some out of order, that's fine. But I'm going to ask you to help me tell this story. And uh, we may even need our microphone today. So we'll see. So chapter 37 talks with the story of Joseph. We know that Joseph is one of Jacob's 12 sons. Uh, so we're going to go back and hear about Jacob's 12 sons. Uh, and you may want to put a little bookmark. We have a nice list. If you turn back to chapter 35, we're just going to see them listed. I'm going to make a few comments. So if you go to Genesis chapter 35, verse 23. The lead up says, Now the sons of Jacob were twelve, and they're broken down by their moms. Okay? Verse 23. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. And the sons of Rachel. This was Jacob's second wife, Joseph, and Benjamin. Then the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan, and Naphtali. If you don't know this story, you can back up several chapters. Um, there was a day, they, Rachel and Jacob had been married for many, many years. Rachel had not had children. And out of jealousy and um, I guess perhaps partially tradition, 
uh, told Joseph, uh, rather Jacob, um, you know, I'm not giving you any children here. Take my, uh, take my maidservant and have children with her. So the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan and Naphtali. Verse 26, the sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant. So Leah had a number of children. Um, then there was a pause where she wasn't having children. Uh, so she said, okay, I need to get back in the game. So here's my servant. And Leah's servant Zilpah had Gad and Asher. And these were the sons of Jacob. So there's our list. We know that these sons, um, and it breaks down a little bit with Joseph. It goes to Jacob's grandsons in some areas, and we know that the tribe of Levi was was uh, set aside. But these these twelve sons of Jacob became the um, the big divisions that existed uh, throughout the rest of history. So, the sons of Jacob, and we hear about Joseph. We hear about Joseph. So, let's turn to chapter 37. We pick up the story. It says, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was, a, he was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. Of course, wives, I guess, in quotations. Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. I'm sure that endeared him to his brothers, who, because of this long gap between uh, the first sons of Leah and her servant and so forth down to, um, down to uh, when Rachel first had Joseph. Um, his, if, if Joseph was a boy, his, um, uh, or a teen in this case, um, his brothers would have been 15, years maybe 20 years older so they would have been it would have been on up there any event now israel now who is israel jacob now israel loved joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him they resented him, right? Nobody likes the teacher's pet. Nobody, right? Uh, there's a natural resentment. We're, we're a jealous sort. Uh, so that's the story. Now, it says, now Joseph had a dream. So, what was a dream? You. <clears throat> Joseph had a dream. And the dream was... That uh, bundles of grain uh, bowed down. There was a dream that bundles of grain would bow down to 
his bundle of grain, there was another part to this dream, and that was? That, uh, the star, their stars bowed down to his star, not just their boys' stars, but their parents' stars as well. So the sun and the moon, along with these other 11 stars, were going to bow down. And hearing this, his brothers said, wow, this is so amazing that God has blessed you with his dreams. We're so glad to be a part of this family. <laughs> is that what happened? No. Verse 11, it says, and his brothers were jealous of him. And so it happened that they went off doing their shepherding work and Joseph is sent to go check on them, and they see him coming in the distance, and they hatch a plan. And that plan was? Kill him. What are they going to do? They're going to kill him. Reuben tells them, no, let's throw him in this pit. All right, so they hatch this plan that they're going to kill him, and Reuben, who is who? The firstborn. Says what you? Let's throw him in this pit instead. Then he won't be guilty of his blood. Reuben says, I don't want his blood on my hands. Let's just throw him in a pit. And he has a backup plan. He says, when some down, down the road, I'll go back and I'll get it. Well, while Joseph is in the pit, what happens? Caravan. Caravan. A caravan comes. And where's this caravan going? Egypt. Caravan is going to Egypt. And what happens? Sold it. All right. <laughs> Oh, sorry. They saw these uh, these uh, merchants come on camels going to Egypt, and they figured they had a lot of money that they would be willing to pay to give them money for a slave. So they sold their brother. So they sold their brother, and then what happens? We're making good progress. What chapter are we on now? What happens next? They slaughtered the goat and dipped the coat of many colors in the bud to take it home to Israel to say that your son is dead. They know they've got some explaining to do, right? Like Pat says, they take this coat of many colors, cover it with blood, rip it to pieces, take it to Jacob, and said, do you recognize this robe? Yes, I recognize this robe. Well, you know, something bad must have happened to Joseph. All right. Next, what happened? We sold him. We just read this. Right. So Joseph is in Egypt, and he is assigned to Potiphar, who is the captain of the guard, and he does everything so well. Potiphar puts him in charge of everything. And then his wife, Potiphar's wife, decides, hey, he's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> and tries to get him to come into her room. And he refuses, and he leaves his coat. And she lies and has him thrown in prison. So two things I want to highlight here. One, well, you tell me what they Let's talk about some qualities of... Joseph, in this little section, what did she just mention? 
So he didn't want to be and commit adultery. Um, there were two reasons given. Do you remember what the two reasons were? He was trusted. He said, you know, Potiphar's been good to me. He's, he's entrusted me with a lot. I certainly don't want to uh, betray that trust. And what was the other reason? He didn't want to go to Because he said, I'll be sinning against God. Exactly. So what quality of Joseph do we learn from this? Integrity. He has integrity, right? Mm -hmm. Joseph, a man of integrity. And as we think about this concept, as Dad mentioned, of Joseph being a type of Christ, we've already picked up a couple of these, right? Um, he wasn't given much credit by his brothers. He was sold for silver. Um, you can start to pick up the story here a little bit. All right, so one quality or one feature of Joseph is that he was a person of integrity. She mentioned something else. What was that? He always made the best of any situation he was in. And Christ made the best of the bad decision of the situation he was in when he got on the cross for us. So one of the big themes, thank you, Pat, that's perfect. One of the big themes is if we jump way ahead. <coughs> Joseph has this famous verse where he tells his brothers, what you intended for evil, God meant for good. And that's ultimately <coughs> is the story of, of Christ and what happened to him. But one thing I wanted to highlight in what she just said was everything that happened while Joseph was in Potiphar's house went good went well. Everything he touched was great. And so, it just some people are like that, right? Jacob, his dad, had this touch with his shepherding skills. Remember that? Uh, he was great with the sheep and the goats. Alright, so, where are we? Joseph is in prison, right? Falsely in prison. Now what happens? Uh, Joseph was given responsibility to take over the administration of the prison. It's a common theme. He was a great administrator. And he told the meaning of a dream to a baker and a chief steward. And one was executed, and the other was restored to his position in accordance with Joseph's interpretation. So we're getting the story that Joseph, a man of dreams, Joseph, the administrator, Joseph, the man of integrity, Joseph, the man blessed by God. We have the Pharaoh's cupbearer, the Pharaoh's baker. By the way, I found it interesting. You know, he was a slave. The accusation was attempted rape. And this was Pharaoh's wife, the captain of their guard. Why wasn't he just like killed? Instead. This Potiphar didn't really plead That's why. Exactly. We, we're making some assumptions here, but I agree with you. 
Potiphar didn't believe that Joseph had done anything. You know, he'd been living with his life longer than Joseph had. He probably knew what she was about. It probably wasn't the first steward situation. In any event, not only does he not get killed, he doesn't get thrown in a basic prison. He gets thrown in a prison that's the same prison for the people who are the inner circle of Pharaoh. I thought that was interesting. Any of them, just as was said, uh, we've got the cupbearer and the baker. Um, the cupbearer's dream gets interpreted first. Hey, you're going to be restored and all is going to be forgiven. And once again, you're going to be serving the, king, the Pharaoh. Um, the baker thinks, hey, that went pretty good for him. Uh, let me hear my story. It, it doesn't turn out quite as well. Uh, and instead of three days later serving the king again, uh, next thing you know, his head is up in a tree um, uh, without the rest of his body. And so now what happens? Had dreams, and he wants that interpreted. All right, one more time. Pharaoh had dreams, and he he believes that Joseph can interpret his too. All right, so Pharaoh has a dream. All right, so what was Pharaoh's dream? All right, two parts of this dream. What was the dream? What was it? He had to catch the cows. That's uh, an ugly old goat. Cows that came by and uh, they ate the fat cows. And uh, then he had another dream, right? Corn, about the corn, the grain. The grain. So, uh, and then we got what happened. <laughs> All right, so we have uh, seven fat cows that are devoured by seven. Uh, I forget what how you can describe <laughs> Ugly, scrawny, <laughs> sickly. Yeah. Thin, uh, feeble cows. Uh, they eat the big cows. I, the funniest part about this was, to me was is that after they ate the fat cows, they didn't change. Yeah. See that? <laughs> They're cracking up. Um, you know, the Bible's really not fat. Second part of the dream, uh, you've got seven ears of grain, I guess, corn, um, and then uh, seven sickly ears, and same story, sickly ears, big ears, and Pharaoh looks for somebody to interpret his dream, can't find anyone, and the cupbearer, who two years before had had his dream interpreted, and Joseph had said, hey, put in a good word for me somewhere. He didn't. Here it is two years later, and Pharaoh can't find anybody to interpret his dreams, and the cupbearer said, oh, wait a minute, I know a guy. Right? I know a guy. And next thing you know, uh, Pharaoh's telling his dream to Joseph, and the interpretation of the dream is what? There will be seven years of famine. Seven years of famine? What else? That the first seven years will be bumper crops. So, seven years of bumper crops, and in seven years of famine. And what's the plan? Store it up. Store it up. Seven years. So the plan is, Joseph says, what you need to do is while you've got all this abundance, 
store it away. Store away a portion. Store away a portion so that you'll have something when the famine hits. Pharaoh says, You do it. That's a great idea. You do that. You do that. Again, great administrator and you know, it's it is a good act. Alright, so Joseph puts his plan into action, right? There is in fact this bumper crop. Uh, there is uh, storage of all the grain, uh, and then the famine hits. So what happens? Joseph is made the administrator of it all. So Joseph is made the administrator of it all. Um, now times are getting tough, and word is that uh, if you need some, if you need some food, Egypt has food. Right, so what chapter are we in? 41. Are we making progress or what? <laughs> we really did make progress. Alright, there we go. Um, chapter 41, verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh the king. 30 years old, in charge of the country. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt, put the food into the city. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like sand into the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. So much stored one point, not to overlook, verse 50. The year before the famine, two sons were born to Joseph from the daughter of a priest. Verse 51, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So it says Joseph was 30 when he entered the service of Pharaoh the king. So he had been in Egypt for how long? Roughly? 13 years. Because it was 17 when we saw him as a shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. So he's been in Egypt, you know, about as long as he's lived anywhere. From the age of, of uh, 17 to the age of 30. 13 years there. Um, and then... Seven more years, so he's 37 now when he has his, or 36 when he has his two children. Verse 53, seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come. There was famine in all the land, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. In all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. What New Testament city is known for being a house of bread? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Christmas wasn't that long ago, you guys. <laughs> Bethlehem. Where else does Bethlehem show up in terms of source of bread? The book of Ruth. 
Bible really connects with itself, right? That's so cool. Verse 56, so when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. One thing that was interesting, they're storing all this grain, and then they sell it back. And you'll see, this is not a big part of the story, but first Joseph takes all their money, for grain. The famine continues, then he takes all their livestock. flocks, all their livestock. Famine continues, then he takes all their land. land. Finally, Julie, what, is, what happens? The people are slaves. They become slaves. <laughs> Good administrator. <laughs> Hardcore. <laughs> um, verse 42 it says I'm sorry chapter 42 verse 1 when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt he said to his sons why are you looking at each other we got no food I've heard that there's grain for sale in Egypt go down there buy grain for us that we may live and not die. So, how many of Joseph's brothers went down to Egypt? Ten. Ten of them. Who stayed home? Benjamin. Why did Benjamin stay home? Now he was the favorite. Right? Joseph had lost. Had lost Joseph. Didn't want to lose Benjamin. These were the children of Rachel, um, who he intended to marry first until he was tricked. You know the story, I think. Verse 6, Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Now, How likely is it, based on random chance, that in a country of thousands, likely hundreds of thousands, it just so happens that the dispensary that is selling grain that day, that the second-in-command Joseph was there to visit, just so happens that that is the granary that his brothers show up. How likely is that? Not very. Not very likely. Throughout <coughs> this story, we see the hand of God, right? And we see the hand of God through a concept we call <coughs> what? God's sovereignty. Grace. God's grace. Providence. Mm-hmm. God's providence. Throughout the book of Ruth, what I just mentioned, you come across this phrase, and it just so happened. 
right? It just so happened. It just so happened that there was a field. It just so happened that Boaz saw this young thing. It just so happened that, right? It just so happened that the brothers came to the place where Joseph was selling the grain. Uh, obviously, he wasn't there at all the different places. Remember, there was a silo in every city. But it just so happened. Verse 7. He saw his brothers and what? He recognized them. He knew, he knew them. They were his brothers. Especially, you know, you look up to your older brother. He didn't want them to recognize him, though, so he treats them like strangers. Where do you come from? He starts quizzing them, and he accuses them of being what? Accuses them of being spies. And they said, no, 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 we're not spies. He said, well, tell me your story. They tell him the story, most of it. Most of it. They leave out the part, well, we did have this other brother. <laughs> they left that part out. But um, he said, well, so you got somebody left at home? They said, yes. He said, well, all right, go get him. And then maybe I won't believe your spies. Throws them all in jail for how many days? Kind of interesting. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I'm in verse 18 of chapter 42. Do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined when you are in custody. Let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households. Bring your brother to me, so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they talk amongst themselves and they say, how do they put this together? They say, you know what? To quote the musical Chicago, we had it coming. We had it coming. Then they said to one another, verse 21, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben said, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, but you didn't listen? So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They didn't know that Joseph understood them because he had been speaking through an interpreter. Then he turned, that is Joseph, turned away from them and wept. He returned to them and spoke to them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. We know the rest of the story. He sends them back. When they get back, they empty out their sacks of grain. They find all the money that they were, had given to buy the grain was where? It was in their sacks. So they're not quite sure. On the one hand, hey, we got our money back. Uh, oh, yeah, Simeon's still down there. Um, What's happened, you know, we might be accused of stealing. It doesn't look like they took our money. Um, you know, they're unsettled, to say the least. 
and they start to go through the grain and they tell the story to Jacob hey we've got to next time we go back to get Simeon we've got to take Benjamin and this chapter closes where Jacob says my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he's the only one left if harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol in other words if I lose Benjamin I'm going to die I couldn't live if I lose him too. Um, the lament of Jacob. I guess we probably need to stop. Y'all did so well. You did so well. Was that great? I've mentioned before there's a discipleship um, program that's based on storytelling in the Bible. You can do it with large sections of scripture like we did today. You can do it with the parables of Jesus. Um, it's such great practice to tell the story and the little details that pop in, right? It's so rich. It's so good to tell this story. We know where this is going, right? We're going to Exodus. Here we're finding out how did the nation of what we call Israel, how did the nation of Israel find itself to be in Egypt? What was it doing there? That's what we've, we kind of see where this is heading now. Um, Joseph is there in Egypt preparing the way, and we know that eventually the rest of the family is going to go down there. Uh, we're going to hear about the growth of that people, If they had gotten their story straight, remember, oral history throughout these generations, right? Did Jacob know of the promises made to Abraham? Absolutely. It says, Granddad, you don't think he knew that story? Real quickly as we close, turn to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 is where we hear of God's covenant with Abram. Do you know that the story of Egypt was predicted way back then? Verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 12. Abram's made the sacrifice. Um, God's going to complete the covenant by passing through and so forth. Verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. All the way back, all the way back to before Abraham, to when he was called Abram, God knew this is how it's going to happen. This is how it's going to happen. God's been a redeemer. 
the whole way through, and the story is just now getting good, right? So, qualities of Joseph that we would love to have. I'd like to be organized, <laughs> which I'm not. I have so much respect for people that are administrators. Integrity. God's blessing. What else? Persistence. Had, had Persistence. When he, went, when he went to where he was supposed to go to find his brothers, they were not there. He had to go beyond there. And That's right. He could have gone back home and said, hey, Papa couldn't find him. Good fight. <laughs> That's a great point. He was persistent. He's a very more, more moral man. Very moral. Lots of integrity. Um, he kind of bloomed where he was planted, right? He gave credit yeah. to God for all of his dream interpreting. He gave credit to God. You know, God's, God's got the dreams. Let's see what he says. I'm in a caravan, but going to be sold. Okay. I'm working for Potiphar. Okay. Let's make Potiphar success, successful. I'm thrown in jail. Okay. Let's make the prison successful. I'm taken out of prison. Okay, let's make Pharaoh successful. I mean, the meanest game of Monopoly ever played in the history of Earth, I think. I mean, <laughs> he had hotels and houses on every piece of property there was. Right? Then he took the other players. Right? <laughs> Everything was mortgaged. All right. Great story. You guys have got it. All right? Stay tuned. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we get to be a part of this story. We thank you for Jesus who connects us all and has collected us in to his vine. In his name I pray. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.